Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. We are looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us. Hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. Let's jump in and um, we're very excited to have you here with us, William Fleming, in our podcast space. And um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and your role and we'll get it started. Uh, Well, I... Uh, born and raised from Kentucky, um, small community in the eastern part of the state, about three hours due east of Louisville. Uh, did all my training in Lexington, both at Transylvania University, go Pioneers, and uh, at the University of Kentucky, Harvard of the South, and uh, spent <laughs> about another decade in Lexington doing other clinical work at in hospitals and retail pharmacy and nuclear pharmacy and the like, eventually joining... Um, a Medicaid, um, you know, managed care thing way back in the early 90s, and then uh, joined Humana right after the divestiture of the hospitals in 1994. Um, moved to Louisville in 95 and uh, took over pharmacy in the year 2000 and, and uh, all of healthcare services last year. And in between, a lot of personal things happened with um, having kids and going through life's challenges with uh you know, my first wife passing, um, you know, with a young child at home and then um, remarrying and having two more kids, one naturally and one by adoption. And, and today they're 17, 11, and 10, uh, a senior, two sixth graders. Uh, we're thinking about college these days. Um, and you name the sport, we are all over it. Do you get to go watch? Uh, you know, I miss more than my fair share, which is, you know, something that bums me out as a parent. And, you know, you, you look back on those things that you miss and, and you wish you hadn't. But I get to go to my fair share, too. So, yeah. yeah. So it's all good. So one, one of my colleagues wanted to know, Josh Begley, what city did you grow up in? Peaburg. Peaburg. Pressensburg. All right. Peaburg. Peaburg. It's in between Pikeville and Paintsville. Pikeville. Right. So you got <laughs> Parkville. Parkville. Yeah. Got to pronounce that right. Silent K. Parkville. Parkville. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have a lot of great questions for you. Um, you guys have one you want to jump in on? Since you had, had talked about, you know, being being a parent and everything, everyone always talks about that mythical work-life balance. But do you have any tips or tricks for anyone else trying to also be in the moment to dedicate to their job, but then also with their family. You've got to find time for you, and you got to force it, and you got to make it intentional. And uh, in my early days, I would tell you I was that hard charging, get here by six thirty, um, leave at six thirty or seven, and in between, uh, your life's kind of a mess. And you know, I, I got up to about two hundred pounds as I left nineteen ninety seven, wow. eight, nine, and didn't take care of myself, and as as uh, as I got my 
head around you know what's going on with my life and and in those in my 20s and early 30s I, I realized you gotta you gotta find the balance mm-hmm. and you but it's on you I mean it's not on yeah. your boss it's not anybody but you and and you gotta you gotta force that and make it intentional and and I would say today um, I've got more balance um, still hard charging but a lot more balance um, I, you know to me my mornings my early mornings is all about um, exercise I just love exercise and if I don't, if there's a day I don't get to run or elliptical, which I'm not a really fan of the elliptical, but it's a nice counter to running and you know all that. Um, and my day doesn't go as well, and so I've I've got my body in shape uh, to be able to withstand all that. But importantly, what I've found is that running and exercise is my meditation time. Mm-hmm. It's when I work it out. And, yeah. and I think you have to have that downtime that's just for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be a long time. You don't need to go run a marathon to figure that out. You know, a little exercise here and there for me has turned out to be my meditation time. Right. And well, going to the I gym, was, I mean, you yes. don't ever, after a workout or an exercise, you don't, oh, I really regret that. Like, that thought never mm-hmm. comes to your mind. You're, you're like, oh, I feel great. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And I tell Carmen all the time, I ask her, I'm like, so you're a runner, but you're also a runner. I always ask for any tips or tricks to just kind of get my get myself out there. And I don't care whether you're a, a novice runner or experienced runner. I've done 10 marathons. <gasps> wow. <laughs> lots of half marathons, a few smaller, shorter races. Uh, but the reason I ran is so I could eat because I love food. There's and, a balance there, right? You have to mm-hmm. do both. Right. And so if you're going to eat, if you like to eat, then you need to mm-hmm. incorporate exercise. I love to eat. I love food. And I love, you know, to try things. And the great thing is Louisville's a foodie town, as you all know. So what a great place to be balancing, you know, exercise and, and, you know, food and all that good stuff. Well, I run for chocolate, so. (laughs) There you go. Have you been to Milkwood? I have. Oh, my. We went there last night. Change your life. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. They have this Asian theme going with um, dim sum. Dim sum. And what did I get? Bap or something? Uh, Yeah, I Pronounce it I can't pronounce it, but and it sounds good. It I mean, Louisville's got so many great places to eat. I, I always tell people, um, I live out in the East End, and, and we got two sushi places 700 feet apart. Why we have two, I don't know. <laughs> but, the, but they're both but they're both amazing. I put them up against any place in the country yeah, in Louisville, write Kentucky. Those down I like sushi. That's amazing. <laughs> and there are a lot of places, a lot of sushi places in the Louisville area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So your podcast, the Healthcare Services Podcast, it's, um, I mean, I, I could, I, I don't know how to be more authentic to say it's pretty awesome. I mean, it really is. and it's. You're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why it is is because I get to hear, we get to hear directly from you, right? So you're our leader in healthcare services. I work for Human at Home. But so it's just nice hearing, we were talking about this earlier, the inflection in your voice, the passion in your mm-hmm. voice where you see you're spending time talking to us about what you feel is priority therefore it is now my priority and so giving that direction that north star for me in healthcare services has been it's been awesome so thank you for that well i appreciate that I, and you know got to credit um joe woods and Sherrod durasmo mm-hmm. and and you know, tracy timberlake and everyone else who's been helping because i you know i think um and you know sabina zalata yep. can't, can't leave her out um um you know, I, one of the things I've learned is as we as we keep going through life, technology keeps bringing more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And being always on, being we, we talk about that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Got to be always, always on. on. 
that's another buzzword. Yeah. Um, but but if you want to be always on, you need to be able to connect with people, and you can't just put it in a town hall, mm-hmm. right? Because there's just not enough time to say things, and there's so many concepts, and and I think that bringing that type of tool into our you know conversation for how we communicate out, we just felt like that was something we should go try. Love so I'm glad to hear that that, that people are listening to it because it's it we don't really get good metrics on on what it looks well, it's like. It's just so like. amazing to have the leaders top down delivering this information and taking their personal time to truly share. I'm not part of healthcare services, but I, I listen and I feel I have a better concept and understanding of what that vision is so that we can better support our members and just connecting the pieces together. It's phenomenal. Um, one, one of the things I, I, I like that we've done in those is the storytelling. We've tried to do some storytelling because mm-hmm. everybody learns from stories and personal things. And whether, you know, if you haven't listened to them, uh, here comes an infomercial, you know, listen to the opiate thing or listen to uh, the. Tracy, you learn. You, Tracy, you learn. You learn. It, and, and it impacts you, right? I mean, because we've all had various experiences. So, I mean, there's tons of great, great concepts out there behavioral health and. You know, the Pride NRG one that we just did. I mean, there's 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 a lot of you know a, a varying um, uh, you know array of things that we're trying to get to, and and we're not done yet. I mean, we're just starting. I think we've done 15, 16 of them, and Good just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Same. and personal well, stories. People, yeah. we're not just our job roles. We're real people too, with real experiences, and that's. that's and uh, infomercial, how can people get the Healthcare Services Podcast? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> we will research that for you. Yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest technology guy, but you can go to iTunes and type in HCS Real Talk in the podcast uh, app. You can text HCS to... Two three nine three five five. I was trying to throw a That's seven why we into keep it. Her I was going to throw a seven in there, but it's two three nine three five five. Text HCS to that, and you can get access to it. Um, there's and then internal. There's other ways, and I'm not sure I can articulate those. But but if you go out to Buzz, you can you can see all the the dialogue we have around HCS and, and getting access mm-hmm. to the podcast. Well, I think with podcasts too, we're busy. We're just busy. We got a lot going on, and so the ability to take this on a run or a walk or in the car, take the information other than through a PowerPoint or a town hall or something that I may not have time for. It's just the wave of the future. I feel more productive, and I'll say podcasts help me curb any road rage I have if I'm in the car because I'm like I am still getting something out of this, even though I'm stuck in traffic. I'm still learning. It's still productive use of my time. And I and take these on my jog. I mean, I will. Yeah, me sometimes too. I'm listening to music, but I'll have a podcast on it. Yeah, you know, oftentimes I'll listen to the podcasts that are downloadable uh, mm-hmm. when I'm sitting on an airplane someplace. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting ready to head out to go to Washington, D.C., and, and I've got a couple downloaded. So in that downtime, now that mm-hmm. we can keep our phones on, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> for the entire flight, it mm-hmm. just makes that, that time go by you know, nicely. Awesome. So pharmacist. Yeah. Do we have that accurate? Yeah, that that is correct. So that was your former life. Uh, yes, yes. I I'm still a pharmacist. I still keep up my continuing education um, because you, you know you just can't give that up. But um, yeah, that that was, that's how I was trained, um, you know, in, in my early days. So were you in? Were you a pharmacist? Were you in a in a 
in a in a drugstore? Were you in a? I mean, did you actually practice? I did. I I was. Uh, I probably did more of my pharmacy my pharmacist work at St. Joseph's Hospital in Lexington, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Um, a lot in oncology and and actually rounding on the floors and and that type of thing. Um, real hands-on clinical stuff. Um, I did a fair amount of um, work in retail, um, actually in retail pharmacy. Um, I did some work in um, nuclear pharmacy um, oh, and, and, and all the, all the uh, tests that people mm-hmm. get done early every morning. We delivered the radio isotopes out of the lab and, oh, and, wow. and had amazing. to be at work at 2 a.m. Oh, Not wow. a job for a normal person, I will tell you. No, my sister studies Strange hours. medicine. It's very interesting. And I have another friend that's a uh, physicist for oncology. It's it's insane. It is. So so I did a lot of, of pharmacist work. Um, and you know even today, I mean, pharmacy still reports into me, so it's not like I've given it up. <laughs> so I got to still. But um, you know, it it it's it's the thing I always tell people. It's the first used health benefit. It's the most used health benefit. Mm-hmm. So it's first and most used. You have a chance to make a good first impression and a lasting, sustaining one, mm-hmm. or you have a chance to blow it all. Yes. And and I yeah. think here at Humana, that's what we've tried to take on is make that good first impression and lasting, sustaining one, driving retention, keeping costs low. It's sort of that public debate that we're seeing right now around you know, high drug costs. Well, and just Humana Pharmacy, our members can have their prescriptions delivered straight to their door. I mean, that's that's wonderful, especially people that don't have the mobility to go you know, to the pharmacy. I don't know about you all, but um, I don't know how many of the listeners uh, have an Amazon account, how many boxes show up at your door every day, but mm-hmm. it's about simplicity, ease, and sometimes cost, but so definitely ease. simplicity and ease in today's world, right? Yeah. And instantaneous culture, we've mentioned that a couple of times, just outside the workplace even, are you with an instant answer? Google it, and yeah. Right. I want my Uber car yep. within the next few minutes, you know, like it's just ease of use and, and how quick we can get it. Did you did you know you needed to ride in a stranger's car five years ago? I mean, it's crazy. Or sleep no. in someone's house. Did right. you know you re- needed to sleep in a stranger's bed five years ago? It's crazy. No. Airbnb and Uber have, you know, they're, it's, when you look at what they've done, and it applies to what we're doing here at Humana, is they made it easy. Mm-hmm. They improved the quality. We're sitting here talking about riding in a taxi which is a strange thing if you think about it. Have you ever talked sure. about riding in a taxi? No. Um, and they lowered the cost. But what they really did is they created capacity in the system. Mm-hmm. They mobilized the cars already on the street, and they mobilized the, the empty beds in the community called yeah. your house, right? And it's that capacity creation that I, that I think is what they really did. And if you think about what we're trying to do at Humana with the recent acquisition of Kindred Home, mm-hmm. trying to go deeper in home, we're trying to increase capacity of delivering care mm-hmm. by using, you know, not only going in the home, but also using telehealth and remote monitoring and those things. And it's that yeah. capacity creation that we think we can, in, we can improve health, improve quality, and hopefully lower cost. But we got to go mm-hmm. prove that. And that's, but that's the theory of the case for why we felt as a pair we had to go in and, and acquire, you know, in part this kinder at home you know, capability. That, for me, that's the connection back to what we're trying to do is Uberize healthcare. That's true. Mm-hmm. Make it convenient, but you also want to keep uh, the value-based care. You want to implement that within. And how is that going to look acquiring these new facilities? Well, that's what we have to prove. I mean, you know, the 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 um, 
you know, healthcare in the U.S. is the highest cost and the lowest quality. Mm-hmm. You can get yeah. whatever you want, um, but you're going to pay a lot for it. That's not the way it needs to be, mm-hmm. and that's why I think we're, we, Humana, are trying to solve is how do we how do we take the wastage out of the system? If you believe the learned experts, there's 10 to 15 percent wastage in the system, more readmissions, more hospitalizations, lack of compliance with meds that lead to bad things, and you name the thing, and that leads to the 10 to 15 percent wastage. If you believe that, that means inside of Humana, um, we have call it eight to twelve billion dollars of wastage flowing through just our system. Hmm. So if you think about what we're chasing at the big picture level, mm-hmm. let's try to get that wastage out. Right. The company that figures out how to do that gets lower cost, probably higher quality. Mm-hmm. The system wins and the consumer wins. And 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 you know, and so you know you think about with Humana Home and the investment there, you think about the um, our investments in physician stuff and all these provider practices. It really is about getting into the supply chain, getting the physicians to the tops of their licenses, the nurses to the tops of their licenses, getting things always on. Because we know that, you know, you can't wait for tomorrow to deal with healthcare issues. Healthcare doesn't stop at five o'clock. No. It's gotta be always on. It's gotta be available mm-hmm. and and we need, you know, better connection points back to um, consumers and their caregivers and and really candidly return control of the care plan back to the member. Right. Because mm-hmm. right now they don't control it, and they should, because right. it's their life. So can you talk about why Kindred, why Curo, just from your perspective or what you're allowed, I don't know what you're allowed to share? Oh, you know, look, we, um, uh, 2017 was an interesting year. Um, for those of you who've been around for, uh, during that time period, um, you know, we uh, went through the failed Aetna ac- acquisition. We call it the breakup. Yeah, right? the breakup mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, so w- we knew that Plan B would become the plan, and it did. And in that plan, we'd, al- we'd always been you know, wanting to go deeper in the home. Mm-hmm. And so we started that journey um, really right before the breakup to go deeper in the home and give us the option. And um, we looked at many different um, companies, many different perspectives, and and Kendra Home provided the best opportunity the, at the most scale. Um, the problem we had with Kendra Home was the complexity of it because it's sitting inside of this thing called Kindred Healthcare. Right. We don't need all of it. And we don't need all of it. Kindred Healthcare has long-term acute care hospitals, rehab facilities, home health and hospice. And so we we decided that you know uh, the by acquiring. You know, Kendra Home, it would re, would it would acquire us to, require us to either acquire the whole thing and then break it up and take get rid of the stuff we don't want, or figure out a different way to go about it. And we looked at the different way, and and what we ended up doing was to um, is to find some private equity sponsors to come in with us. And so, if you think about what happened just on July second of this year, is we ended up taking a public company called Kindred Private, we split it on that day, and the PE sponsors, the private equity sponsors, got 100% of the long-term acute care hospitals and the rehab and never touched Humana paper because we didn't want the headlines to read, Humana's back in the hospital business, right? right. right? Mm. So, we, so that we did that, and then we picked up 40% of the, of the home health and hospice. And the financial sponsors, the private equity sponsors, have a right to put it to us in the next three to four years, 
and we also have a right to call it from them in the next three to four years, give or take. And it's that journey that we're on that is awesome um, because what it allows us to do is rather than working on integrating a company day one, um, because it had we been had we bought the company outright day one, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this podcast because we'd be so worried about integrating culture, general uh, ledgers and billing and payroll profit, yeah. and yeah. all that. But rather, we have the the pros, if you will, the private equity sponsors running the business. Um, we're the minority owner, but what we can work on is value creation. We can work on the clinical model. We can work mm -hmm. on changing healthcare, and get frankly give ourselves the optionality in the next three to four years to call it or have it put to us, but along the way, do our thing to change healthcare, make it always on, bring remote monitoring to life, figure out telehealth and its role, and do that capacity creation and, and decide, is this the right thing for us? And do we, do we achieve the mission that we, that we set out to achieve? So is three to four years enough time to make that, I mean, clearly, you know. Most things are a lifetime's worth of work. I, I, you know, we won't, we won't know everything but we should know enough to give us to see have we taken the right ground have we driven the right mm -hmm. culture have we created a test and learn environment have we improved health in any way i i think we'll we'll know enough to 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 have a view um uh in, in, into the conversation and then the hospice piece is interesting um because today hospice is not covered as part of medicare advantage benefits as you go from um restoration you have the event you get hospitalized you need home health I call that restoration, trying to restore your health. And as you go from restoration to advanced illness, the advanced illness piece, hospice as a lot of people call it, um, is not covered in Medicare Advantage. Once you enter the, and you're declared that you're uh, terminal six months end of life, you leave Medicare Advantage, you go to the hospice benefit oh, Medicare. Right back so the payer, the payer like us no longer has responsibility. What I would tell you is we have a gap as a country and as a system. One is there's a gap between um, restoration and hospice. I call that palliation. Yeah, Someone who doesn't care. quite qualify for hospice because mm -hmm. they're not six months end of life, but you can't be restored, but you still need help, yeah. right? Pain, dementia, you know, all those items, activities, daily living. So there's a palliative piece that, that we're trying to solve in a lot of the work that we're doing, and, and we're doing some amazing work there with a, a few vendors plus ourselves um, to try to solve for that. At the same time, we are um, uh, talking with the folks in Washington, D.C. at CMS and the Innovation Group about the need, the, the need and desire to figure out how to bring the hospice benefit, the advanced illness benefit, really into Medicare Advantage. So there's that end-to-end -end from restoration to palliation to advanced illness continuum. And there's not that, that friction, that handoff as that member goes from one stage of their life to the next stage of the life to, to needing to prepare for end of life. And, and it, we should not be afraid to talk about those things. And, and that's the type of thing that I think I've seen a maturation in Humana in my last you know two decades here where 10, 15 years ago, we would not have had this conversation because we would have been afraid of the, the headline reading, Humana supports death panels. Which mm. is kind of interesting mm. in an insurance world, right? Sure. But today we're willing to run towards it because advanced life. illness is part of life. Sure. Whole life, it is. company, that's the way I kind of, lifelong well-being, that's kind of 
kind of what I get and we service the Medicare members and just really completely the full circle experience of care and that's that's, that's a big goal. That's an ambitious and radical challenge that, I mean, I think Humana is stepping up to the plate. You, you got to run towards the the hard stuff, the easy stuff anybody can do. Run towards the hard <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I would tell you what we're doing here with this journey has not been done before, which kind of candidly is Humana's history. We started off as nursing homes, became hospitals, became this vertical system, went into managed care, you know, jumped on the retailization of healthcare with the Medicare Modernization Act of 03, and now we're in this integrated care delivery thing, and this next iteration of of, of Humana, I would argue in the next five to ten years is going to be a, a powerful one because I think we're going to be, you know, half health plan, half provider. And, and whether it's half depends how you want to measure it. But for argument's sake, we're going to be part health plan, part provider and, and providing care from restoration to palliation to advanced illness. And, you know, the needs and requirements and how we show up and the things we do and the people we hire and the talent we bring and how they got to bring a strong clinical acumen and a strong analytics acumen and a strong consumer acumen and thinking about tools and digital. I mean, there's a lot of stuff for us to go do and, and honestly go have fun with and hopefully leave the world a better place than we found it. And that's it for this episode. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us, hashtag WNRG podcast series. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.